What's up, guys? Con O'Hanlon here again with another episode of the Con O Show. And today I have a special guest who is joining me, who is running in Pennsylvania's State Senate District 27. Her name is Michelle Siegel, and I am going to let her take over and introduce herself. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Michelle Siegel, and I'm running for State Senate in the 27th District, which is uh, Snyder County, Northumberland County, Montour County, Columbia County, and the border of Luzerne County on Columbia. Um, it's a very, very rural district. Um, it's a district that often gets, it's a district whose concerns often get overlooked um, in Harrisburg uh, because of the way both parties um, agenda down there. And I personally had just, you know, kind of went with the JFK, if not, you know, not when, you know, paraphrasing a little bit, but it's, it's, it's time that we start drawing attention to the issues that are affecting average day rural PA people. And that's, that's why I'm running. Awesome. Yeah. So, Michelle and I briefly actually met at the uh, PA State Democratic uh, Convention Committee, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just found it interesting to see all these candidates that were running uh, across all the state, uh, across the state, really, and um, seeing the different platforms, the different tactics and everything like that. And uh, Michelle stood out to me being that she, you're progressive um and you're in a rural area so you 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 do <laughs> it is an interesting uh uh one to watch and you are now officially the nominee for uh for the election in november so how does it feel to to like have clinched that nomination i mean it's 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 not really that it's great, but it has, I mean, I've been doing, we, we officially kind of started in October. So, mm -hmm. and, it, and nobody, nobody has run in this race. And since uh, John Gordon originally ran in 2004, nobody has ever challenged him. And to me, that's not democracy. And that's not the way this is supposed to work. So, I mean, there was always a chance somebody would try to jump in, but I just, no, nobody typically does in rural, especially if you have a D behind your name. It's just, nobody thinks it's worth it. And I, I don't think that's the way the system is supposed to run. You know, you're supposed to look at a, at a, at a person on a ballot and vote for what they're offering you, not what letters behind their name. And that's what I'm trying to, to prove a point here um, by doing this. Yeah. So um, I think it's important to note that like when you go to your website, the first issue on there is election reform. Um, and it stands out because one, I support ranked choice voting. Uh, but two, the second thing on there is eliminating gerrymandering. So I can, I could guess that your district is very heavily gerrymandered. Oh, it's, it's absolutely, it's, I mean, it's the definition of gerrymandering to the fact the part that they used on Luzerne is one of the most reddest areas of Luzerne. It's just, again, this is not the way this system was supposed to be set up. And believe me, I, I'm not, I, Democrats gerrymandered a lot in, in Maryland too. Let's be honest here. This is, both parties do this and that stuff is, it's not acceptable. It, 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 we need better guidance on how to do it. We need independent group doing it so neither party is involved in it and it needs to be done but done fairly so that people's voices are actually heard because that's what's happening in pennsylvania is the politicians are picking their district instead of the district picking their public servant that's what's going on <clears throat> how many did you ha, did you say there was like four counties that are part of your district yeah four like a fourth <clears throat> county wow yeah because in i mean in where I live, uh, it's the 10th and for the Senate, it's the 143rd for the state, uh, state house. But, uh, you know, it's basically just a sliver of one County. So it's weird that, well, it's not, I know why I understand why yeah. they do it like that, but like, uh, it's interesting to see how badly they are broken up. And then like, even, um, it goes, it goes even, uh, 
all the way up to congressional seats too. Like being like some of the lines drawn there are so, are so crazy because, you know, I have Bucks County, all of Bucks County and a little piece of Montgomery County that includes the, the first district for the congressional seat. Um, how does your district overlap with uh, say like the federal uh, house of representatives? Um, so th this district uh, has a little bit of uh, the 12th, I, I think it's whatever Fred Keller's is, I believe that's the 12th, and then the 9th, which is Dan Users, I believe, are, are the two that overlap. And I, I think um, in Luzerne, I think that's, that's Cartwright a little bit then too. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't like seeing like the everything like so uh, divided um, and being like arbitrarily uh, have lines each and every way. Um, so beyond uh, the election reforms uh, that you have on your site, would you would you consider the election election reform being your top issue that you're running on, or would something else be your top issue? Um. So it, like right now, our, our campaign is working on a rural bill of rights. And so it's going to be 10 things that uh, are overlooked by um, our legislature that are, need to be addressed in rural Pennsylvania. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination of things. I, I mean, there are some things that are just very important to me personally. I'm an environmental, I have a BS in environmental science. So that is something because, uh, Many of our farms are being destroyed <laughs> in rural PA um, due to things like eminent domain, where um, private industry and, and corporations are just taking our farmland. Um, this is, I just spoke to a farmer the other day. This is, what's really interesting is Central Pennsylvania has a lot of A1 grade farmland, which is like top soil, like the best in the world. Um, typically, you don't see it, you see it more out west. And he lost a ton of it because they came in and, you know, put the fracking pipeline in and they also took it to uh, build Target and, and stuff like that. And he's losing his land. And what's, so this is something, not a lot of Democrats typically talk about farm issues. And that's something that's personally important to me. Um, my campaign manager, manager actually um, family was dairy farmers and they lost their farm with everything and what's upsetting is it, you keep you hear these stories and you just wonder enough when is enough and en it enough I mean what he's saying is what's you know we talk we, we see all these things from like groups like PETA and everything talk showing video of how animals and stuff on farms are smushed into tiny barns and stuff and, and believe me that's awful and wrong but it's not our local rural farmers that have been doing this for hundreds of years the guy I spoke to his family has been farming since the 1800s um but he's being he's being forced to cut his grazing land because they're taking his land so he's like now I don't have as much room for my animals and we actually he actually stopped raising as much animals because he consciously doesn't want to do it and put these animals in a unsafe situation. And he said they deserve to live their life as happy as long as possible until, until we need to use them. And so what we're doing to, to these areas is, is, is wrong. And it's, it's all, the thing is, it's all connected. Like, it's hard for me to say there's one big issue because if you look at the farming thing, there's, there's environmental policy that's ruining them. There's corporate America that's ruining them. There's um, job loss there because farms are, are, you know, having to shrink down. So they have to lay people like it's, it's a whole thing. So that's why we're working on this, this bill of rights that, that I'm going to come out with. That's going to be 10 things that rural people need attention to. And um, I don't know if you want me to, we're still playing with them, but I can, um, kind of read you what we're what we're thinking right now if if yeah um i i did a whole episode on the 21st century economic bill of rights so um i think it would be a good 
like uh, follow up to have something like this to ex explain to anybody that listened to that original one too. So yeah, go ahead. Anything you got? So the the first one would be upholding and protecting the PA Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, and that's like a, a broad idea because in Harrisburg, I pay attention constantly with these bills coming out, and there was just an amendment on this bill, uh, HB 1036, that in my mind is complete de-representation. It would allow borough councils to go from seven or, or five, depending on how it is, down to three. So that, I mean, it, that's just, to me, is wrong. So we need to, we need, and again, like, PA Constitution is one of the only constitutions in the United States that uh, says that we have the right to clean air and water and land, and that gets, you know, ruined every day down in Harrisburg. Uh, so that's the first one. Number one would be access to, or sorry, that was number one. Number two would be access to hospitals and healthcare and the hospital access we're working on would be within so many miles. Um, out in rural PA, we don't have, you know, we, it's not a city, right? You, anywhere you gotta get, you gotta drive. It's just the reality of the situation. So we just had in this district, uh, our uh, Sunbury Community Hospital that was in this, in this area for 125 years, got bought by UPMC and they kept it open for two years, but I, I firmly believe they had intention of sh shutting it down when they bought it. it they, they got it in a deal with another hospital. I don't think they ever had really had the intention to, to build it up. So that's now, so we lost that. So that's, that's a big deal for people that in this area that don't have a car, that don't have, can't afford to get in an ambulance. Like it just, it's a nightmare. So we need better access to, to hospitals and also fix our, our healthcare insurance issues that go around here too. So number three, access to broadband. Uh, broadband is severely ignored in rural PA and this was extremely highlighted um, because of COVID you know, we, many people, we had to go to, to online schooling and it brought up this issue that rural PA has been yelling about for a long time that we don't have access to reliable um, internet and broadband um, because they don't want to spend the money to, to, to build it. And that's something that I firmly believe that is something that, you know, take a page from FDR. I mean, he built up, you know, public electricity to to uh out into the rural area so this is no different than as as jeff kennedy likes to say we've done this before right this is not crazy stuff we can do this so number four would be uh clean air water and land um that's something rural gets uh there was that that bill now they did take it out but i still don't believe they took it out of the house bill i have to double check that um that was going to allow them to brine dump uh, fracking waste on uh, dirt roads, which Central PA is full of dirt roads, and they also lie right by our farms. So if you're dumping on there, it's going to get right on the farmland. Um, so that was number four. Number five, um, investment in education. You know, we are ranked um, in the top three or four in, in, in public education funding because um, we don't. We're, it's bad ranking, just to clarify that. Um, We've cut our education funding a lot. And again, these, these things hit rural even more. We don't have the property tax base built in like, like more cities and stuff do. Um, uh, next would be investment and pro protection in family farms. And like I was talking about a little bit, we need to start addressing this and protect them because I firmly believe local sustainable farming is the key to our future. This is this is how we fix environmental stuff. We get back to local dairy farming. I'm somebody that firmly, there's a local uh, dairy guy here um, that does glass bottles. Now he sells them in stores and stuff, but we're, a group of us keep asking him, could you please start delivering? Like, I think people would, would, in, would enjoy that and get back to it and also use glass bottles that can be reused and not just dumped in the garbage. Um, next would be number seven, be build a workforce and jobs. We've lost a lot of jobs in the 27th district. Um, you get in one UPMC closed down. There was a lot of employees that lost their jobs. Not, not only did we lose 63 hospital beds during a pandemic, we lost a lot of jobs. Um, and same thing, we lost a uh, wood mode here. Now we did have a, a gentleman came and, and bought it, but he's not able to 
you know, afford to bring back the staff that was originally there. It's great that he kept it open and I thank him every day for doing that because some people really kept their jobs, but the, the, and, it, and it, what upsets me again on a little side note is we hear everybody talking about, oh, COVID did this, COVID did that. In rural, we've been, this is stuff that's been happening way before even COVID hit. So um, next would be, number eight would be um, invest in infrastructure. I mean, our roads here and stuff are terrible. It, 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 we need to, and again, you could kind of even add, if you could do broadband, you could put that under that. Um, we need, we need some reinvestment in our, in our buildings and, and start taking pride in, in, in our communities again, because rural people have a lot of pride in our communities. And when we see it falling apart, we take it very personal. So that's why I understand why the people here are angry. They're not, I don't think that sometimes they understand they're directing their anger at the right thing, but I understand the anger and, and, and that's, it's, it's personal to them. Um, so, uh, again, and, and then, um, investments, number nine investment and build the middle, middle class. Um, and with that also build unions, um, uh, in central PA and a lot of rural people have a negative idea of what a union is. I don't, I don't think many, I don't think many Democrats to begin with come out and, and, and take that firm stance where my campaign is. You want to build a middle class, get the unions back. And it, they, that's your protection, right? That's what, when that, when the union started decreasing, that's when the, you know, the wealth gap started increasing. So we, we need to start addressing that. And I address that as much as I can on the radio. You know, people get mad at unions, oh, they're corrupt and low. And there's some, and some of the leadership is, let's not be wrong here, but what it, what it offers working people, the protection and stuff is, is irreplaceable. And that was highlighted under Wood Mode. All these people lost their jobs. And you know who was protected? The eight uh, drivers that were covered under Teamsters. They were the only people that kept their health insurance, kept their wages. And I think that that's, and the same thing with UPMC. I, a lot of the nurses are realizing if we were unionized, this might have gone differently. So again, this our campaign is is also about having these discussions in rural PA that aren't happening. Um, and finally, uh, support and investment in our local businesses. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania has seventy four percent of corporations that don't pay a tax, but our small businesses pay those taxes. So I say to this to people all the time: How is you know we always hear coming from one side, a free market. And well, that's not a free and fair market. How can a small business grow and expand and, you know, get to a point where it could bring in more jobs, you know, build the workforce here when it's already on an unfair advantage um, competing against corporations on the tax level. So this, this stuff needs to, be, needs to be fixed in Pennsylvania. And it's gotten worse over the last 15 years, and it continues to get worse. So that's my, my Bill of Rights that we're working on. So it's, our campaign then is focused around those 10 issues. <clears throat> awesome. And you can tell like how, how interwoven they are with, with each other. Yeah. Like um, what I was, I was writing down um, to follow up on the water piece, which water like across Pennsylvania, like the water sources and uh, water supply for public water is so like, it seems like it's like, we're in America. Why should we have to wor worry about water? When I ran for office here in Doylestown, it's an issue. When I, when, when you look at every, the 143rd, where you're running across, when I went to school at state, in state college, the water is terrible. I mean, quite frankly. And then, so you tie that into uh, the environment, the environment, the environmental regulations around fracking, but you also can draw that to the infrastructure and the fall and the crumbling infrastructure that we have and lead getting in the water, uh, other chemicals getting in the water. Um, and it just, all these things just, just stack and stack and stack. Um, so when it comes to, uh, protecting our water and we talked about fracking, do you support like a, a ban on fracking? I mean, here's, here's how I personally feel. Yes, absolutely. I just don't know if you could actually ever make it happen. Um, I think our best bet at this point is 
putting severe environmental uh, regulations on them that they can't skirt around. Um, and again, that happens because our legislature is bought and paid for by the fracking industry. They all get lobbying and donations from them. They're not legislating for us. Um, and, and also, you know, severance tax. You know, we're the only state in the, in the United States that doesn't do that to the fracking industry. And, and, and this is something that I need to look into a little bit. But I, I, we, my, my campaign manager, and I, um, Kristen, we had done a lot of research and the one thing that kind of set a, a flag off in us in 2013, and this kind of came out from, uh, you know, uh, Eugene DePasquale had done the audit that showed that the wholesale tax money that we get at the gas station was not actually going to infrastructure like it was supposed to. So we started digging into that so in 2013, there was a big severance tax debate under Corbett, um, whether we were gonna do that or not. And it appears to me, if I'm reading the constitution right, the money from the severance tax, because it, it sounds like any liquid that is mined from um, the earth and the way natural gas is mined, it, it, it's liquefied, that that money would have gone to infrastructure. So instead of taxing the industry, it appears that they went and taxed us. And I'm really trying to dig on this because people should be horrified by this. <laughs> um, that, and I don't think this is getting talked about and it's something that we're digging into because I think that this could be enough outrage from people to just to question these guys that voted for it. And John Gordner, completely voted for it. And, and that's something I'm digging into because I don't care what side of the political spectrum you are, when you find out that you were taxed over an industry, that's going to infuriate you. And- Or at least it should. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, should, it should infuriate you, you know? And, and so again, like I personally, would love to see an end of fracking but i the way it's already here i what i would like to see is let's put string strong 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 stringent environmental policy on them let's make their pay, them pay taxes and then let's work on shifting to green like let's start working on phasing it out and addressing I, I, there's a you know a big issue with some of the unions worried about their jobs because these have been jobs that people have done for generations and I know this is something, I think Betterman had done a, a podcast on this, like where it's hard. It's, this is a hard thing. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to take somebody's livelihood away. So I, I think that we can work on this and, and do policies and stuff. And then, but also start building, building up renewable energy in Pennsylvania, because in the end, that's starting to win the market. Let's be honest here. And Let's let the market, you know, I think some Democrats are hesitant to be the ones that, that you know, put an end to fracking. But if we build up, uh, you know, renewable energy, the market's going to go that way anyways here. So let's just let that happen, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to, like, uh, see the crossover because you need, you need help from the federal government, basically, to fully get to a point where you can say ban fracking and uh, move towards 100% renewable energy because it's too it's too much of a daunting task to ask one state or one municipality really like you can drill down but it needs to be a concerted effort across which obviously we're not going to get with republicans controlling the white house and the senate and you know that's federally and then here in pa it's a whole another a whole another mixed bag <laughs> with everything we have um but with that being said, uh, you also mentioned uh, education and the how the tax base for uh, education in rural areas is, you know, lackluster because it's, it's just different. It's not like you're in a very dense uh, city or in a suburb, like I'm in Doylestown, so we have, I'm in this, it's not technically a suburb, but it basically is a suburb. Um, and we have a lot more density that can you know, fund schools. Do you, or have you come up with any ideas to maybe come around, work around that and um, 
because I, I know I've been looking for an alternative to property taxes, funding education for a very long time. Uh, for basically as long as I've understood, I, I, I went to school for accounting. So like ever since I've understood like property taxes fund that, well, why? Because that's obviously going to help create inequalities in the system. So do you, do you have any ideas on that? Well, first, I want to say that the, the ones the Republicans put out are never going to help working yeah. <laughs> people. I mean, Republicans want to abolish property tax, but then increase sales and income tax, which if you're on a fi if you're like over 65 and on a fixed budget, I don't even know how you're going to afford that. And the thing is, it, it also started taxing food on sales tax, like the list, like the list of stuff that was adding to, to, to be taxed at a grocery store. There's no way people can can afford that right now. We actually um, are working on as a team on this right now to see if there's a way that you could do um, up to fifty uh, up to fifty thousand dollars of your income could see a ten percent reduction in property tax. Um, we think this would really help people on a fixed budget, low income people. So we're we're working on this. Um, it has to do with, and it's, and we're going to work, you know, write it out and stuff. So once it's done, I'll share it with you. But it has to do with also cutting not all of them and not even the majority of it. I think it was, uh, I think uh, Lisa had said there's about $4 billion in, in tax subsidies that the fossil fuel industry gets. If we cut a billion of that, we could use that to, to build up um, that loss and revenue of property taxes that we need to build our education. So there, there's stuff we can do here. We just need to think outside the box. I mean, again, we could start legalized marijuana and, and, and start using some of that money and, and invest in, in education. Uh, fix what's going on with, um, there's issues going on with the horse racing and where the actual money is going there. Um, that needs to be addressed and fixed. And, and so there's there's stuff that we could do that's outside of the box that wouldn't necessarily fall on the, a hardworking person, right? Nobody wants to hear that we need to increase property tax to build back up our education. What we need to do is fix why that funding got shifted and get it back in alignment. And, and we can, and again, we could do marijuana, we could do other things to to do it that wouldn't necessarily hurt hardworking people that are that are on fixed incomes or, or I mean, let's be honest. I it, it, nobody no no nobody in central Pennsylvania can afford this stuff. I mean, it just it's a different it's a different thing. And again, this is why these people are angry, and this is why they're they 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 when they hear the word tax, they get they get angry and stuff, and it's. I don't, it's, it's the same thing with the reopen protests, right? Like I was, you know, you have a right to protest. That's your right. The people that were making it political, ridiculous. Um, but those people that were holding the sign up that said, open, I need to be able to feed my family, I, my business, should, those people, my heart went out to, right? Because this is the reality of the, of the situation. You know, it, I was not happy how all that went down. I was not happy that Walmart was open, but another business, a local business that did almost the same type of sale was not allowed to be open. So, but again, that what doesn't get talked about is like Katie Moose had, had put up a bill that would have allowed local businesses to stay open in red with like skeleton crews and curbside pickup. So there's stuff we could do here. So, and let's be honest, there's, we're gonna go back in red. This is gonna happen. We're going to have another flare up. So we need to start thinking about doing bills like that. They're going to allow places to stay open and do some sort of business and, and revenue um, coming up here. So I, that was probably a little bit of a tangent, no, but. <laughs> no, I think that's important. I think it's important because like, it is a, it is a weird line to walk. And especially because, you know, look, I'm not an elected official. I'm not running for office right now. I am the chair of, of a local democratic committee now, but like, other than that, I don't represent anything right now. Um, so like when I talk about certain things, I, I have, I, I could just say what I feel 
And I feel like lately it's been hard to really give that, like I care about my local businesses, but at the same time, just since like we, a lot of people just kind of stopped paying attention to the COVID numbers, but like since we hit a hundred thousand, there's been 12, I mean a hundred, uh, yeah, a hundred thousand, there's been 12,000 uh, more deaths and uh, it's, there's numbers increasing across the country in certain States. So like, you're absolutely right when it comes to, we're probably going to go back to the red at some point. And I don't shop at Walmart or Amazon. So <laughs> I don't do that personally. So I would much rather my, my local shops be open as well. And it's, it is, it, it, and I, I, I am a personal trainer. So like I was at least, um, so you, you literally can't do that job. So when it comes to all these things, it, it's, it's crazy to think the overlapping again of, you need the help here in the state. You need help here in municipalities, in the counties, but you also need help from the federal government that are going to say, okay, you know, in Pennsylvania, if you want to keep all your business open here, we're going to give you money to do that because guess what? You can do that. We know we can do that. And it's just a choice to not do that. And it's hard to, it's hard to tell someone that your anger is at the wrong exactly. person. It's at the wrong target. You're saying, you know, Governor Wolf, open up, open up, open up. I feel you. I understand. But it's not, the opening up is not going to solve that because then, then what? 200,000 people are going to die? 300,000 people are going to die? I mean, it's, it's really hard. And especially because we're talking to people through social media because you're not like talking to them now. And it's like, you have to, I understand both sides and I really do, but we should be mad at our federal government for not providing our state governments the opportunities and the money to keep the businesses open. And I, I haven't been able to like tell someone that yeah. in person. So like it's, it's been building up where I'm like on Twitter, I'm seeing it on Facebook. I'm seeing it. I'm like, it's not so yeah. simple. Yeah. You're, <laughs> You're again, I understand why people are angry, but they're 100%. not, they're angry at, at government, but they're, it's because they don't understand, like completely understand government hasn't been doing what it's supposed to be doing. Like it's not doing its job. It's the same thing with this stunt that's being pulled over 836, this resolution in Pennsylvania. I mean, it doesn't do, it doesn't reopen. That's covered under DOH. This doesn't stop the phasing or just open things. And that's not being talked about. It just people think that it's going to magically end everything. And that's, that's not what the reality of the situation is. And again, I, it's, and and I'm not gonna lie, both sides do it. They take a narrative and they Mm -hmm. spin it to their constituents and they don't actually tell people the truth. And I, that is something that's been very big for me. I don't, I don't have a problem. Um, again, I'm a Democrat, but if you're not doing your job, I'm going to call you out too, right? Like, that's that's what we need to do. We need people that are 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 holding people accountable. And you know, if I got elected, I would just be one person down there. But at least I could just say, "What is going on here? <laughs> like, you're all not doing your job. Your job is to be a public servant." Your job is to start helping your communities. Your job is to fight for the people you represent, not the people that are bankrolling you. And this is why it's so hard for somebody like myself to run, right? I don't have big donors knocking on my door. And it, 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 the whole system, you know, it favors incumbency on both sides. That's that's the way that this stuff works. And it's it's not fair when you're, somebody that's just running because she wants to be a voice for her community it it, you know we're up against the machine and i'm trying to to talk to people and have discussions with people on the right you know that are conservative that are so scared to vote for somebody like me because i have a d behind my name but say look that doesn't matter i want to fight for you that it doesn't matter what letter you have behind your name for me that I want to represent your voice above 
the private in, the private industry and corporations and lobbyists that are in the ears of our politicians down in Harrisburg. And you know, the, the, to me, you know, when you start looking at these things of where reopen came from and stuff, these were by groups by Alec, right? You know, you know, <laughs> I, I, when you see like the Black Lives Matter, you know, protesters, they have homemade signs, right? There isn't some big group behind me. Like the reopen people had like billboards and fancy signs everywhere. Like you have to understand you're, you're feeding into their narrative. They wanted you to go protest to reopen because they want to make money. And as they said it, what did, he, what did that guy say from, from the administration? Human capital? Yeah. Human, yeah. yeah, it was human stock capital, I think, or human, yeah. something like that. You should be so insulted that your government sees you as stock. You're, you're cattle to them to make them money. And that's, that's, that's not how the government is supposed to work. It, it just, I believe in a government that is of, by, and for the people. That was the founding principle and up until a certain point, you know, as Citizens United and stuff like these rulings came, it, it, stuff didn't, wasn't like this, right? When I think when people look back and they have this idea of, of the 1950s and all this stuff, and you know what? The, the, the amount of taxes that the rich paid during that time is not even close to what, like, there was a reason why things were, were better back then. And I'm not, don't get me on the on the social stuff. I mean, you know, African American. Like, there's yeah. other very bad issues that were going on there. But I'm talking more about the economical stuff. Why why America was was so booming, and why industry was expanding, and why why we had so much innovation? Because I, I mean, let's be honest, that's being lost too. And I'm watching. You know, we don't. I, I don't think that was the one thing that I appreciated from Andrew Yang. He was bringing up this discussion on automation that we need to have um because that's where a lot of the jobs are going it's not an illegal immigrant taking your job because nobody is picking strawberries for four dollars an hour that's not what people want to grow up to be you're losing your job because you're being automated out of your job this is this is the reality of the situation and we're all watching this happen in slow motion and there's not enough people drawing attention to it. I, I, it's, and our government isn't, isn't investing in good jobs to build up a workforce, right? Like that's what the government should be doing. That was, that was the new deal, you know? And that was, I believe Eisenhower had done, you know, he invested in infrastructure and it created millions of jobs. Like this is the kind of stuff that our government should be doing. And I think it would take away so much of the anger and so much of the distrust that people have for their government because again i i understand where it's coming from when you watch your life being taken from you in rural pa absolutely i mean the the disconnect from our history is it's very apparent i think i think i mean you brought up the black lives matter um protests um i organized one last week and yeah, no, I mean, none of us had pre-made signs. None of us had uh, yard signs or billboards, but Pete, you know, I did see reopen PA ones. So how, mm -hmm. how are they getting this funding? And yet I have to just organize a bunch of random people on a Facebook event. Um, but we, <laughs> we also get straw manned and this is, yeah, this is another thing, but the straw manned with like Antifa stuff and this and that. We're, we're literally just trying to stand up for the rights that are supposed to be given to us under our constitution and from our government. Yep. But God forbid you have to make billion. I mean, the, there, there, I forget the ungodly number, but the amount of money that Jeff Bezos and other billionaires are made during this pandemic is on, it's unheard of. And yet we still have a federal and a state minimum wage of seven twenty five an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, the again it goes back to the disconnect of both history and and not understanding the new deal understanding well to, the 
Black Lives Matter protests. They don't understand civil rights era or understand that Martin Luther King was not like, uh, he, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be the Republican's friend if he was hanging out today, if he was alive today. They wouldn't be yeah. using him the way that they try to use his words today. Um, he was a radical and he would be a radical today, even by the measurements that they're using. Um, not even to go into the, the theory, all the, how he got yeah, hide and everything. Anytime he was arrested and stuff, that doesn't get talked about. You no. Know? <laughs> <laughs> or people just ignore uh, the parts of um, letters from Birmingham jail about uh, the white moderate and how how that is still so important today. It is so important today, those words. And they were written like 50 plus years ago, right? 50, yeah, about 50 years ago, 52, 53, whatever it is. Um, Either way, those, those words still ring true today, and we don't have that history. We don't have that not, well, maybe some of us do, but uh, they don't teach us that stuff. They don't tell us about the New Deal, the, the entire history of the New Deal and the impact, and then why it was destroyed. We still yeah. have, in high school, I took uh, macroeconomics, and they still teach supply-side economics like it works. It, yep. it does not work. It, well, it works for the top, top people, but it doesn't yeah. work how they explain it. It doesn't work in the theories. Um, the fact that that is still taught is almost shameful. And we don't learn about radical, and that's just a ba bare term. Like, I don't think that these people are radical, but for the time, revolutionary and radical idea, uh, ideas and thinkers. We just don't even talk about them. Yeah. Um, so and it goes to that education reform as well. And, and, and the thing is, like, it, one of my favorite JFK quotes is when he's talking about what the nation was founded on. And I, this is so relevant right now. It was founded on the principle that all men are created equal and that the rights of every man are diminished when the rights of one man are threatened. That is exactly what is going on in the United States right now. That's exactly what's going on. And so it, it just, it, and you brought something up about the minimum wage that, you know, we're the only state that is still in, in, in this cluster in the Northeast that still pays that much. I mean, in most of the states around us are at least $8 enough. It, it, we're, we're purposely keeping people poor. And this is why they're angry. And, and they, they're being fed the narrative that can't raise the minimum wage because it's going to hurt uh, small businesses, which I firmly believe there's a way around that where we could give them a tax break Let's cut their taxes for a while, right? There's other things we can do for our small businesses that would allow them to be able to manage a, a minimum wage increase. But what it does is it's feeding the narrative and protecting Walmart. It's protecting those people who can afford to, to pay people more money. We're, we're, when, you're, when you're speaking that narrative, it's been manufactured so that they're protected. That's what this is about. And most of Walmart's employees, you, even, you have to get a job, two or three jobs to, to, to be able to survive or, or you're on general assistance. And I had a conservative guy tell me, can't raise the minimum wage. It's going to cause inflation. It's going to raise the price of milk and all this stuff. And then he goes, and we got too many people on general assistance. And I said, then pay them more and they won't be on general assistance. Like you can't have it both ways. Either you start paying people more or then stop whining that they're on general assistance because hardworking people can't afford to, to just work at Walmart and feed their families. I, I mean, I've talked to people that, that can't put food on their table. They, the parents skip meals so that they can feed their kids. I just saw a, a quote somebody sent me that they're looking for insurance. Do you know how much the deductible was for the family? $7,900. 70, who can pay that? Who has $7,900 in their bank account? We punish people in this country for being poor and for being sick. And it has to stop. It's not acceptable. We need to start building these people up and get a middle class back that's functioning and supporting and that can 
build the economy because right now it's rich and everybody's down here and there's no middle there's there's nothing to to, to negate any of this and it, it has to stop so i just i get really irritated when people tell me about the minimum wage thing because there's lots of corporations that can pay their employees more and i believe me i get the small business issue but i believe that we could figure out legislation that would be more incremental for them, give them some tax breaks and offset it. Because believe me, I don't want to hurt our small businesses either. But let's be honest, a lot of our small businesses actually do pay people more. And that doesn't get talked about enough either. They actually value their employees and typically do pay them more. So again, that doesn't get talked about. What gets talked about is it's going to kill them again in Walmart and, and Target and all these giant corporations, they walk free. And that's, that's, that's what they want, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, the minimum wage raising and, you know, people always bring up the inflation argument and it goes without saying, but just to say it anyway, when you raise the minimum wage, you don't say overnight, boom, 725, you're going to go to $20 an hour, boom, but right away it raises over time, it raises every year so that it gets stuck to whatever that number is. So say it's $15, it'll be uh, four years down the line, it'll be $15. Every study that I've ever seen is inconclusive of whether it actually causes inflation. There are times in history when it does and there are times in history when it does not. The fact that people just blanket statements say it does is just a lie. Even in Seattle, it did not cause uh, the inflation that people predicted. So mm -hmm. it is infuriating because it's just another, like it's people that are buying into a narrative that is oppressing people that are equal and lower to them rather than trying to say, Hey, you at the top that are making a billion dollars a year. I mean, like the fact is that no one should earn a billion dollars a year. I mean, flat out, that's insane. Um, and they're taking away jobs local jobs from small businesses like in particular i hate amazon i don't shop on amazon so the fact that they pay zero in federal income taxes that's never brought up that's never ever brought up the fact is that bernie sanders hammered them until they paid their um workers 15 dollars an hour but yet they still hire independent contractors so they get around that there's so many loopholes that these big corporations get fed and just dumped on their laps and yet yeah. every small business free market for you free market yeah. for you but every every large corporation how much damage does amazon cause to our roads and our infrastructure and yeah. they pay zero in federal income tax well see the thing is if you, you talked about loopholes in pennsylvania we have the delaware loophole the, these corporations get a little piece of paper and incorporate themselves out of Delaware and they don't pay the taxes in here. And it's, it's, and again, like all these legislators that were coming out and saying, oh, Walmart was left open and blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't agree with it, but the hypocrisy that you're using that argument now, when yeah. you could have legislated to shut down that loophole in Pennsylvania the entire time that you were elected is just dumbfounding to me. Do your job or don't, wail against it right like you, you you aren't you're just you're feeding into the narrative when you have the power that you could have adjusted this you could have stopped these 74 percent of corporations in pennsylvania from from paying this tax like to start paying their taxes and, and you're not doing it but you're gonna go out and tell your constituents oh walmart shouldn't have been left open it just it irritates me it's not do your job fix this stuff you know so that our small businesses do have a more even playing field to compete it it it, it just it's unaccept it's unacceptable and it it's it's not being a public servant it's not it's not doing what the constitution intended us to do to to fight for the people and it's again it's because these people are all all paid you know when UPMC buys a hospital and then says they're going to do all these renovations and then all they did was buy some fancy toilet paper and paper towel holders, that's not renovations. <laughs> that's not fixing up a hospital. Um, 
it's it's unacceptable and now we have all these people here that are unemployed and it, 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 and i hear what's going on down in harrisburg a lot of these um people are quoting upmc on why should we open and all this stuff and i'm like you guys because upmc wants to make a ton of money too right like they're their stuff being closed down was unacceptable to them. They got to get people in for surgery. They want to make money. That's what it's about. It's not, they're not trying to help the situation. And, you know, that's why I get, you know, nervous when I see some of these, and again, like we need a vaccine and stuff like that. But when I see some of these giant corporations or they're ones like drooling at the mouth to push one out, I just can worry about how many safety regulations that are getting sidelined. And that doesn't get talked about enough because if you kind of say that you're interestingly, it, it, um, you're, you're right away called an anti-vaxxer, but Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is one of the huge people that believes we need federal, better federal testing of vaccines. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. That doesn't mean he's against vaccines. That's not what he's saying. He's saying they're skirting regulations to mass produce these and safety guidelines are being skirted. And there's nothing, that doesn't mean you're an anti-vaxxer. And I think that this case under COVID is gonna highlight this completely when you see it's the giant corporations that are the ones that are, are that wanna be the first to get out there and get it done. And, and it, it's, it's scary because this is people's lives, right? And, and <sighs> it, it just, I just, I know. I, just, I, know. I understand, <laughs> I understand. You have to wonder, are people actually at the thought process? And it, the answer is no. It's money is the thought process, not, not the people. And that's why some, like, I'm, I'm very, I think we should be doing UBI. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was a big proponent of, of UBI. And that would solve some of the automation issues, let's be honest. And I also firmly believe it would increase innovation. It would increase arts because people could take what they're good at and make a living based on that instead of making a living being forced to do something just because they got to put food on their table. And that's been lost in, in society, I think. And we need to start valuing people, valuing people's gifts and what they can offer. And and get back into, into pushing, you know, get better trade jobs. You know, let's build up welding. Let's build up uh, manufacturing again. Let, let's start investing in that and not have robots do it. Let, let's value the working people and get them good jobs. I said to my son, you know, when you're a little kid, all you want to think about is like, how much money can I, can I, you know, I mean, that we all think that as a kid, that's just the way, you know, kids are like, I want to be rich and, you know, have five cars and all this stuff. And, and I said to him, I said, he wanted to be an architect because he loves Minecraft and he loves to go in there and build stuff. And so he decided I want to be an architect. And I said, you know, that's great, but there's also nothing wrong with being a contractor and getting your hands dirty and doing it yourself. And, and, I, and he didn't know you could do that, right? He didn't know you could design something and build it at the same time. And that really hurt his ears. And he said, that, that might be more fun for me. I said, you're very active. I think you would be much better, you know, out there actually doing something than behind a desk. And that's not to, to devalue an architect because they have a very important job too, right? Like designing cities and all that civil engineer, all that stuff. That's super important too. But we can't keep devaluing the hardworking jobs in our country. And I, I, I think that that's something that, you know, it's been in this system and ingrained in people's heads. Like if you don't go to college, you're a failure. Well, college is set up to put you in debt. Let's be honest. And you can't even hardly get jobs in your industry anymore when you graduate. And, and then people are left with in, in, in just a huge amount of debt. And, and that's happening in Pennsylvania. I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't know anybody that I went to college with or younger people that aren't just swimming and even doctors. I mean, I read a story about a, a she's $600,000 in debt after medical school. And she's just like, I'm already set up. And then you have to get a credit card. Like, cause you can't, you have to keep paying your student. Like you're, 
you're forced into a debtor society. Until we understand that that's also what's going on in this country and in our state and needs addressed too. Um, so that's why people always say like, what do you mean by the system? Like that's, it's designed this way. Well, it, it, it kind of is like that, that there's, there's truth to that, to that. And, and we see that every day um, in our lives and especially in, in, in central Pennsylvania, but we were taught to, to not, you know, we're taught to, to blame the easy thing, blame wanting to raise the minimum wage, blame general assistance, you know, blame an illegal immigrant. And it's, it's taking your eye off the actual issue that we favor certain industries and corporations and over the people. And my campaign is, is set on trying to help people see that what's actually going on and, and take, take away the, the, the fancy show and actually show people, no, if we fix this, you wouldn't, it, the anger would go away, right? You know, it's, it's like with our public schools, you hear all these stories, all oh, the teachers there are brainwashing, they don't salute the flag anymore and all this, and it's not, that's not what's happening at all. And you can still pray in school, there's nobody stopping you from doing that, 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 that narrative doesn't get talked about enough. Um, it's just that when you're defunding it, when you're taking the money from it, it can't do its job. When you are taking funding from it and giving it to, you know, private for-profit charters, that's not doing its job. My tax money, I want to go to public education so that everybody gets an education, not handpicked people. And, you know, the teachers in Pennsylvania that work for a for-profit charter, they don't have to follow the same education and standards that a public school teacher has to, but yet they still get the same funding. It, it's unacceptable. That's not, that's, that's not okay. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's something that, you know, my campaign manager, her, her parents were both teachers and it's just something that's super important to us that to try to people understand that I, I keep saying this, you can't make lemonade with half a lemon. And in Pennsylvania, our public education is being run on half a lemon. And it, it just, it's not, it's not going to keep working. And it's not fair, you know, something that most people don't realize, like a, a charter school, a public school has to pay to bus those kids. And when you're in a city and the charter school is a couple blocks away, that's one thing. But in central Pennsylvania, kids line up for their bus at 6 a.m. Some kids are on that bus for almost an hour and a half. And then you're supposed to have that school figure out transportation and, and funding to get those kids to another school. That shouldn't be the responsibility of a public school. It should not be. And this, this stuff needs, it needs addressed. And, no, and I'm not saying that, that no, there shouldn't be charter schools. I am in no way saying that. If you wanna pay the extra money and send your kid there, that's your choice, but don't take my funding from my child to do it. That's all I want. Or get in with the guidelines. You have to follow the same regulations. If you want funding, you have to follow the same education and guidelines that our public schools have to do. I don't think there's anything, there's anything wrong with that. And when you have these conversations with people one-on-one -on -one and, and you, I th most people, even though they might get fired up and follow the narrative, once you start having these conversations, they get it, right? They just don't know what's completely going on with the whole situation. So that's, I had a conversation with a group of, you know, um, ask me retirees and they, I said, look, we, we pay our property taxes and we've done it because we want education for our children but it's not going there. And they, and, and they all, you know, they stood up and they, they're shaking their heads and they're like, yeah, I, I don't have a problem paying my property tax if I know it's educating, educating the kids in my community. I don't think most people, whether, whether they want to act like they're big and tough and, and, and don't care, I think most people actually do. They just don't want to show it. I, let's be honest. I don't think there's that many people 
that actually don't care about their community and, and stuff. I just, that gets lost too. So yeah. it's just, you just got to tell these people what's actually going on. Yeah. And the, um, all the kind of goes like, you know, full circle. It's all, it's all intertwined. And I wanted to just say that when we were talking about just wages and, and job growth and all this other stuff and, and debt and college and trade schools, we really don't realize that any sort of system that is set up to fundamentally be dependent on endless growth is completely unsustainable. Um, like we have limited resources. We have, I mean, generally speaking, there are exceptions. There are theories behind whatever. Um, if we're talking about like modern monetary theory and we're talking about federal government, but if we're talking about, you know, we're here in Pennsylvania, we have set, set resources, whatever we, something has to give when we're, when we just keep growing and growing and growing. And the way it is right now, it's the bottom, the bottom and, and really the middle are just getting dropped out and the top is just, it's just rising. So, I mean, everything comes back and like you talked about in the beginning, we had, you had a target that's going, that's getting put up on, on farmlands basically. And, and you're getting rid of good soil that could be used for farming. But those, those target that those target employees probably come from the community and those people could have gone to a public school to get a good education. Then they could have gone to trade school. They could have gone to college. They could have gotten a job that paid them a fair wage if we made those choices. And it's not incumbent necessarily on the individual. Um, people want to throw it on the individual, but not every individual is given the same opportunities. And that's why it's important that we break down the reliance on targets, Walmarts and Amazons. It's important that we have small businesses and it's important that we get education. It's important that we have strong environment, strong infrastructure, and the list goes on. But it is just important to point out that these systems of growth are really, really just a house of cards because they're just held up by tons and tons of debt. And the, the debt is really held by the middle and lower class that barely, ex I mean, the lower class definitely exists now, but the middle class basically does not exist right now. Um, yeah. The fact is that stages or wages have been stagnant for 40 years. Well, I think people also don't realize in Pennsylvania, like wait, waitress and waiter jobs aren't even covered under it. They average about $2.13, somewhere around there, an hour. Yeah can live on that like you and again people should be able to make a good living as a waiter or waitress I mean that's what I mean like th that idea of, of the 1950s thriving waitress you know like but they were able to make a solid living on that job and you can't anymore because who can live on two dollars what can you buy maybe two burgers at Wendy's that's it. not even the good ones yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you, you, people need to understand that when we're talking about a minimum wage increase and stuff like this to, to, to build up the working class, it's because, you know, our most, a lot of our, our tip service jobs aren't even con considered under that, and they need to be. There's, why, is, why is a server um, not getting paid the, the federal minimum wage that boggles my mind because they get tips. Well, if they get a good job, that's your right as a, as a, as a person, a patron to give them a tip. Your tip shouldn't be their salary, right? My tip shouldn't be their, their living wage. Their, my tip should be saying, you did a great job. I appreciate the hard work you gave. And, and that, and that's why when I go out to eat, even the delivery drivers, like my husband, when I, when I tip, I give them like 50% tip. It's, it's just, he's like, you know, you're giving 50%. I'm, he's like, he, he understands why, but it's just like, these people, especially, you know, people making deliveries and stuff right now, I mean, they're risking their lives. Let's be honest. You're going up to somebody's door, opening that door, they're breathing in your face. They could have COVID. You don't know. So I, anybody that comes to my door that delivers something, I thank them for just probably too much <laughs> and just say thank you for, for doing this. Um, 
again, it's about valuing people for people and what they have to offer. You should be able to make a good living if you want to drive and deliver pizza. There's that just shouldn't be shameful. And it's you just gotta re, you know, we gotta and I think I do think that in rural we we understand that. But again, the narrative is getting twisted and we're just blaming the wrong thing, you know? And that's, there's no reason why these giant chain restaurants and stuff aren't paying a, a waiter or waitress more money. There's just none. There's none. Well, with that, I think we can close for this episode. And uh, Michelle, do you want to plug anything? Um, where to follow you, where to donate? Yeah. That's definitely important. Our website is michellesegelforpasenate.com. And we're, again, we're working on the Rural Bill of Rights, so we'll get that up soon. Um, also, uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's at Siegel for Senate PA. You can follow us on there. And then Twitter is at Senate PA. And also, we do a town hall every Saturday night at 730 and it's on Facebook at Siegel for Senate PA. And you can tune in and each week we do a different topic. And this topic is this Saturday, we're going to um, have people just meet the team, see who this little group of people that are working together to try to take on the, the GOP machine in central Pennsylvania. So um, I, I invite everybody to join in on that. They, the town halls always end up being interesting and, and they're fun and, and we always end up having great discussions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Of course, anytime. Um, and hopefully we can hopefully we can start winning uh, more elections here in Pennsylvania and hopefully on the federal level as well. So we can start implementing some changes that'll actually give power back to the people. So I thank you again. Um, if you guys are listening, Please follow uh, The Kano Show on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Kano Hanlon, C-O-N-O-H-A-N-L-O-N. Um, and please do share and check out Michelle's website. And please donate. If you have the money, please donate to candidates that you care about and you think um, can make a difference. Uh, we really can chip away with small donations, like even $5 donations. I've, I've, you know, I've only donated to a small handful of candidates in my life. Um, but those are the ones that I, that I try to believe in. And look, I'm unemployed right now. So I understand if you can't afford to donate, but if you can, now is the time to start because 2020 is huge and we're only going to start from here. So uh, if we, <laughs> if we really want to build any sort of grassroots movement, 2020 is the year. So and make I, it happen. I invite you all to, to, to please help our campaign because we're going against somebody that's already got over $200,000 in his pack. And we're just some rural people trying to stand up for what's right here. So you can donate right on our website. There's a donate button. So it'll take you right to the act blue. So thank you so much for that little plug there. <laughs> oh, of course. I understand what it takes. You know, um, I, I, I know the machines that you're going against and I see them here in Bucks County. It's not, um, you know, it's not always the same wherever you are. Um, we luckily here got two Democrats elected in 2018, but I've seen that di dynamic shift now since those elections. I've seen how the power dynamics change and we, ch we flipped our county here in 2019. So again, if you're listening and you have disposable income, please do consider donating. Um, and, and that goes to any candidate that you believe can actually make a difference and represents you rather than uh, corporate interests. So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next time.